0: Uh, while we will not pay attention to the name, we have installed extra cameras and we know who you are. And uh, <laughs> Pastor Rock is taking all the ballots home. So it's just, uh, we've got the Amen Corner going here and we're only preaching debt. I mean, wow, I can't wait till we preach the Word of God. And, and uh, so <laughs> uh, if you're joining us by internet uh, we and streaming, we want to welcome you. Let's welcome them as they're sitting at home drinking coffee amen i mean we 're just we 're just so hip we 're just so high tech i mean we 're streaming to the world now, uh, but don 't look at us, look at Jesus and uh, a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Rock started a series on uh, at the interse- Jesus at the intersection or looking at the minor prophets, which are only minor in length, not in content, and the minor prophets con- confronted the culture of their day, and so what the intent is, is that we will see what they did. We will then see how Jesus did the same because that's the legacy he left for you and me. And it's always a good thing to every once in a while step back and evaluate culture because it, it, it's, it's so innocuous and it can be insidious. It's the air we breathe, it's the water we swim in, and that can get fouled and polluted, but do it so subtly that we're not aware of it. We don't realize What's going on? Now, most culture, it just helps us get through the day. We don't have to make decisions. So there are different cultures around the world. And so one culture says you eat with a utensil called a fork. Another culture says you eat with sticks. And there are other cultures that say you eat with your hands. It's, it doesn't make any difference. It's just the culture. Where we've gotten into problems is when the stick culture says everybody has to eat with sticks and so we have then imposed our culture because we have seen it as superior which it 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 may not be it's just different but there can be aspects of culture that move into the danger zone and and are not acceptable william carey the father of modern missions when he landed in india found the cultural tradition that when the husband died they would uh, burn his body on a funeral pyre but they would throw his wife on because why should she be around if the husband is dead now that's evil that's wicked and so William Carey and the followers of Christ addressed that issue and got that custom changed and our, our culture while most of it is innocuous, a lot of it, uh, some of it I should say, is in is need of evaluation. And so that's the reason for 12 weeks, Jesus at the intersection, what lessons can we extract from the Minor Prophets that we can apply today. Now uh, I'm delighted to continue this series, I love to be assigned topics, it makes me go where I wouldn't go otherwise, I've never preached on the prophet Amos. So uh, we're going we're gonna to go there together. And I've chosen, we've got nine chapters, I want to try and touch on most of them uh, just for a minute, and we're going to highlight six verses out of Amos 7, which are, which are kind of shocking and, and, and very uh, uh, direct in what uh, the remarks that Amos made to, to the uh, official who spoke to him, so let's, uh, let's read these now. Then Amaziah said to Amos, get out, you seer. Go back to the land of Judah. Earn your bread there and do your prophesying there. Don't prophesy anymore at Bethel because this is the king's sanctuary and the temple of the kingdom. Amos answered him, Amos, I was neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but I was a shepherd and I also took care of sycamore fig trees. But the Lord took me from tending the flock and said to me, go prophesy to my people Israel. Now then, hear the word of the Lord. You say, do not prophesy against Israel and stop preaching against the descendants of Isaac. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. Your wife will become a prostitute in the city and your sons and daughters will fall by the sword. Your land will be measured and divided up and you yourself will die in a pagan country and Israel will surely go into exile away from their native land. Boy, that's not the way to win friends and influence people, is it? (laughs) But the title of my message today is Not For Hire. Let's pray. Father, we want to take a moment today and during these weeks to step back and examine not only our culture, but how the culture has perhaps shaped and affected our lives and our decisions. And so, Lord, we, we come today to hear from you. That'll require two miracles. First will be the miracle of speech that you would enable, empower me to say the words that Jesus would say if he were standing here today. Now that will require a miracle, but I present my faculties for that purpose. And Lord, the second miracle will be the miracle of hearing, that we will be able to cut through language and preconceived notions and distractions and and what we think the word says, and that we would be focused and be able to go home, every one of us, and say there was something in it just for me. Now that will require a miracle but we together as one people join now that we may have an encounter with you through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said? And as we delve into God's word, may the Lord be with you. you. Now I'd like to give you a point to remember, and we'll try to hang everything from this point that will relate to that point. You have a purpose. Something for you to do that only you can do. Something for you to be that only you can be. This purpose is not necessarily what you do to earn money, but what you do to obey and please God. So, the first couple of points just let's just look at the book of Amos. First point, God is the Lord of all the nations and not just Israel and Judah. That's, you know, that's chapters one and two, and, and you know, it may seem like such a basic point, but years ago that really startled me. I mean, in my mind, I was thinking, well, there are professing believers, and those are the ones that God wants to speak to, but all the other leaders of the earth, they're kind of on their own, and, you know, they'll be judged according to a different standard. No, God speaks to all the leaders. Our message is to the nations. And it's interesting. We are not taking God there. We are declaring that he's already there, whether they recognize him or not. And we are urging them to get with the program. That Jesus is Lord. The nations have been given to him, and he's going to wrap it all up and give it back to the Father at the end of time. And there's still time to come in, but we don't know how much time there is. That's our message. Now, Amos exemplifies this in the first two chapters, and and we have a little map here. He's giving a word to all the nations that are around the covenant people of God. And it's kind of like a corkscrew bullseye, and he eventually focuses most of what he has to say on the nation of Israel. And so, how many tribes were there in Israel? Twelve. Boy, that was a resounding twelve. About five. <laughs> it's a trick question. <laughs> there were twelve, and they were together under the uh, kingdom of David, and they stayed together under the kingdom of Solomon. But after Solomon, they had a they had a church split. <laughs> they they had a they had a disagreement, and ten of the tribes said, "We're going up here." and we're going to be Israel, and two of the tribes said, we're going to stay down here, and here's Jerusalem right here in the star, and we're going to be faithful to David's throne and the word that was given to David. So we're going to stay here. The other ten go up here. They had their own king. So when you read the Old Testament, it it can get a little confusing, but if you notice, so-and-so was the king of Israel, and -and so-and-so was the king of Judah. They're two separate countries. And the Israelites, you know, they didn't want everybody coming down to Jerusalem to worship, so they established not only their own king, but their own worship center to keep the people from being influenced and going down. So they were still one people, but they were divided. Now, Amos lived here, and God sent him up here, and his word was, if you guys don't behave yourself, get your act together. There's the people from the north that are going to come, and they're going to carry you into exile. And in 722, that's exactly what happened. The Assyrians came in and invaded the land. They took a lot of the people out of the land, but they left some of their own people here who intermarried. And by the time Jesus came, this area was known as Samaria. And the Pharisees woke up every morning and said, "Thank God I'm not a, a Gentile. Thank God I'm not a woman. And thank God I'm not a Samaritan." And that's how that was the animosity. But right now there wasn't that animosity when Amos comes along. There are one people divided, and he comes to give a prophetic word to Israel. Okay, so. We made the point God holds all people accountable for their behavior. He holds all the earth accountable, including nations whose leaders do not recognize him or his rule. Now, when Amos got to Israel, the problems were many. There was economic injustice. There was sexual misconduct. There was idolatry. And there was a lot of pride. Does that sound familiar? But but any, the, one of the messages of the book of Revelation, what, what it shows us is any nation that cuts itself off from serving the Lord eventually becomes a beast. Yes. It, 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 it just, it, it, it's a downward spiral and, and there's no end. And very often God has to go in like to a computer and put that nation to sleep because there's no way out apart from repentance. And if they refuse to do that, he has promised he will not judge the whole earth again like he did with the flood until the second coming, so God has to intervene. But that's not his first choice. Now, Israel had prospered, and they were led by a king who had experienced military success. <laughs> Sounds familiar again. But there had prosperity had been their undoing, and if we're not careful, our prosperity will be our undoing. Now, see, so when we, we talk about wealth, Many of you immediately say, well, I'm exempt because I'm not wealthy. I don't have a yacht. I don't have three homes. But I take you someplace where they think you're wealthy. I'll take you to Cuba where I've been. They don't have a pencil. They don't have an aspirin tablet, and they don't have anything to put it in if they did have it. They get a ration booklet every month, and they get a couple pounds of sugar and a half a pound of coffee. I didn't pray for anybody in Cuba that didn't have physical stomach problems or mental problems. And if you told them you have 15 pairs of shoes, five belts, and drive a, a 2016 car, you know what they would call you? Wealthy. It's cultural. Just because you don't have a home in Palm Beach. Don't think you are exempt from the cultural pressures of materialism. See, we're going to vote next week. Yeah, we need to build. Yeah, glory to God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Then in two months later, we're going to vote on what you're going to give. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. All the wealthy people, all the wealthy white people, hey, they're going give... Be careful when you vote next week. Because God knows what you voted. We may not be keeping record, but he does. Now, we're not sure how or when, but Amos received a call to go and confront the northern tribes, even though his own nation of Judah was almost as bad as Israel. And 140 years later, the same thing that happened to Israel happened to Judah, man Nebuchadnezzar came, tore it all down, tore the temple down. So you can get the message, clean up, you know, your own act, don't don't tell us the word of the Lord, hypocrites. We all declare beyond where we stand, but we're going to talk about that. Number three, God's judgments, and Pastor Rock did a brilliant job with this last week, as he always does. God's judgments are often in response to sin, but intended to serve as wake-up calls for God's people to repent. Now, God has been opposing the people and leaders in the northern tribe, not because he was angry, but because he was reaching out to them so they would turn from their wicked ways. And we have to be so careful when we represent the Lord that we don't use him or his standards as a club to, to vent our anger at the way things are going. And, and this, is what we, this is the dilemma of social media, where we can vent... And, and we do it in, in isolation or an, anonymous or, or separated from people. Now, I, I've, I, I've been in social media for, for seven to 16 years. You can search all my posts. I cannot post my personal opinions, I'm posting what I believe God is showing me. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And my testimony is not that I went to the mall. The testimony is what God is showing me in any particular point in time, so I can put it out there to help other people. That's why I write. That's why I broadcast. I pay for it all myself. I got tired of waiting for somebody to discover me, so I discovered myself. Now, in chapter 4 of Amos, we have the phrase three times, yet you have not returned to me. Verse 6, I gave you empty stomachs in every city and lack of bread in every town, yet you have, this is the Lord, yet you have not returned to me. Some of your difficult times are not because God is angry, because he loves you and he's wooing him back to you and trying to bring you to an end to yourself. Next two verses, 7 and 8, I also withheld rain from you. That's not our case. When the harvest was still three months away, (laughs) I sent rain on one town, but withheld it from another. One field had rain, another none, and dried up. People staggered from town to town for water, but did not get enough to drink. Yet, you haven't returned to me. And verse 9, many times I struck your gardens and vineyards, destroying them with blight and mildew. Locusts devoured your fig and olive trees, (laughs) yet you did not return to me. Now, we've we've got to get out of this Old Testament judgment mentality. Even the book of Revelation makes a statement that's very interesting. The plagues and the bowls and all the bad things are happening, but in Revelation 9... 20 and 21, it says the rest of mankind who were not killed by those plagues still did not repent of the work of their hands. So why was God doing this? He was doing it that people would turn to Him. Yeah, that hurricane came because this happened or this kind of marriage. Oh, stop it. I mean, it feels good, but We're not Old Testament prophets. We'll talk about that. See, in a sense, we yearn for this kind of word to give to a wicked, evil world. We'd like to tell them off. Yet when we ask God to judge, he hears us. And he starts with his people, not those who are wayward. Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 4, If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed. But praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, and it is, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? See, I've encountered things through my Christian walk and sometimes I've uh, been uh, per- uh, treated as I perceived unfairly and people who liked me or were close to me or heard my side would say, well, God's got to judge another situation. I say, I hope not. Because if God's going to be equitable, he's got to be equitable in judgment. If he judges them, he's got to judge me and I'm not faultless. Get them, get God. Get the Republicans. Get the Democrats. But are you ready to just ask God to judge people who are racist when there may be racism in your own heart? Are you ready to cry out for economic justice? I am. <laughs> it's, it's the best I got. I just... Are you ready to cry out for justice? And you're convinced you, oh, you walk in economic justice. You know, as, as I've been seeking the Lord about what I'm going to have to do, I mean, the question in my mind, am I willing to pay more for cable than I am to invest in the future of God's kingdom? Yeah, I didn't get a lot of amens out here. They were groaning. They're groaning. They're checking their emails. They went to their iPhone. God told the people what they had to do, seek Him and live. You say, well, what does that mean? You know what it means. We all know what it means. It means we put the Lord before everything else, and we realize that Desperate Housewives and Shark Tank and and the Olympics and, and, and all the things that in our culture vie for our attention... We know that Malcolm X or David Bannon can't save us. And we'll watch three-hour newscasts and spend ten minutes in the Word. I am doing that, too. The Steelers can't save me. And we know the Pirates can't save me. Amos 5, 6 says, Seek the Lord and live, and he will sweep through the tribes of Joseph like a fire. It will devour them, and Bethel will have no one to quench it. Verses 14 and 15, Seek good, not evil, that you may live. Then the Lord God Almighty will be with you, just as you say he is. Hate evil, love good, maintain justice. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We need to maintain justice. Can I get paid under the table like everybody else? everybody's doing it. <laughs> oh, but those people in Washington, they need to go. They're mean, wicked people. I got a traffic ticket, but I think my brother-in-law knows somebody. And I think maybe, maybe, maybe. gotta <laughs> get somebody. They need $25. It's not a big deal. It was $100. It's a good economic decision. That's why I'm saying, don't call down judgment. You ask for Mercy because you and I need mercy. There's only one source of life and it's the Lord. The answer to our problems lies in Him. The answer to your problems lies in Him. The point number five. Church cannot cover up integrity and morality issues. Pastor Rock covered this again last week. We can't and we can't treat church like it's something to do. I got that off the list. Now I got the rest of the day to myself. Really? It's 168 hours in a, in a week. Two hours are spent in church. What are the other 166 hours? That's where the rubber meets the road. It's easy to be nice here. You know how to, be, you know how to do church. You know how to dress church. Well, most of you do. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So good to see you. We know how to do church. And that's the problem. We do it, and we have to live it. Now, our highlighted verses today indicate that Amos was heard in Israel. Oops, I missed one. The Lord said in chapter 5, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me, even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings like you think I need them. I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I'll have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice roll on like a river and righteousness like a never-ending stream. We're not doing God a favor when we come to church. There should not be a church behavior and then another behavior or attitude The rules the rest of the week. We don't smile and say praise the Lord here and become attack dogs on social media. But the answer isn't to get off social media. The answer is to use it for God's purposes and for his glory. And if you want to know how to do that, as best I've known, you check mine out. And if you find anything negative there, anything that doesn't glorify the Lord, except the stuff I've written about the pirates, and I'll be willing to take that off. (laughs) No one is perfect. (laughs) now everything in me at this point when we begin to discuss Jesus at the intersection wants to apply Amos to the state of our world that's what Martin Luther King Jr. did he took verse 24 of chapter 5 let justice roll on like a river righteousness like a never failing stream but at this week's intersection I believe God is speaking to his people or at least to us about the message of purpose It's easy, all too easy for God's people to say that Washington or the church or Harrisburg or the city or the denomination should do this or do that. But at this intersection, Jesus is confronting each one of us to ask, what will you do about the conditions that you see and abhor? The point number six that I jumped to previously, Amos was not a professional prophet. He was a shepherd and a farmer. Now, this should give us all great, great hope. Because he was somebody like you and me. He was blue-collar. He had his hands in the dirt. He he came home from a hard day of of labor. And and, and somehow God called him. How will I know the Lord? Oh, you'll know the voice of the Lord. If you want to know, you'll know. You can't can't block the voice of the Lord. If your heart is to know, he'll make himself clear. But the problem, I don't want to know. Because then I'm accountable for what I know. So it's easier for me to judge somebody else than it is to go go on the front lines personally. Now our highlighted verses that we read at the beginning indicate that Amos was heard in Israel. Their response was to tell him to go home and earn your money from being a prophet back there. They couldn't conceive of anybody doing this on their own. They had to to be a pro. They had to have an income stream. They assumed he was a paid professional who was doing what he did for money. But Amos answered them, I was neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet. No nepotism there. But I was a shepherd, and I also took care of sycamore fig trees. But the Lord took me from tending the flock. And Amos was angered by their insinuation that he was, a, he was hired. And he responded, he said, that's how you think. And hard times are coming, and I'll tell you who's going to hire themselves out for money. It's going to be your wife. Because that's how you think. And you think everybody's like that. But I'm here. I was a farmer. I don't know. We don't know. He walked. He said, I'm not for hire. Years ago, I was in Africa. You judge whether the Lord spoke to me. But one morning in devotions, I heard very clearly, you're nothing but a hired gun. I said, Lord, you know, I I travel, I speak, they pay. That's how I pay bills. Hired gun. Giving you this administrative gift and you never use it for the poor. You never use it unless somebody pays you. Had to make some changes. Stop bringing people who would travel with me to see me speak, as good as that would be. (laughs) Started taking them to orphanages, widows groups. Started establishing libraries because the people were bored, had nothing to read. Spent my own money doing it. Because like Amos, I didn't want to be a hired gun. I didn't want to be a professional. I wanted to be a servant of the Lord. I wanted to be a follower of Jesus. Seven, Amos did not declare the word of the Lord for a living. He did it because it was his purpose. Amos had no preparation to be a prophet. He didn't go to school. He was a farmer and a shepherd, but God assigned him a purpose and equipped him to go and fulfill it. You and I each have something to do that only you and I can do. Oh, we will feel inadequate and ill-equipped when we discover what it is, and we can shrink back from it using finances as an excuse. I mean, culture mandates that we have a career, From that we obtain our identity, but God mandates a purpose, and we are to fulfill that even if we make our money by doing something else. The Apostle Paul was a tent maker, but he wrote 13 letters, and not once did he mention what he did to make money, but in every letter he mentioned his purpose which is to take the gospel to the Gentiles. What's your purpose? Two questions to help you answer that. Number eight, what would you do if you had all the money you needed to live on? why we sneak off, play the lottery, (laughs) worship at the altar of chance. I know you're all guilty because you don't look at anybody when I say that. You look right at me. You all look like a tree full of owls. (laughs) (laughs) I know you promise you'll give it all to the Lord. (laughs) In 1991, I began a crusade, a quest, if you will, to help people discover their God-given purpose, which God wants them to know. That crusade is not diminished in focus or importance, and today it is as important and clear to me as ever. There are many questions I have asked people to help them find and fulfill their purpose, but the two I have included in this outline are the most important. The first is, what would you do if your daily needs were met? If you answer, I would work with children, or travel in missions, or hold the hand of the elderly, then you know your purpose. That does not mean you should or could quit your job, but it does mean that you know what you are to do with as much time and energy that you have once your career work is done. 5.01 is purpose time. It's not your time. But culture says you deserve a break today. So get out and get away. Jesus can make you stay up all night and not apologize. second question, what would you do if you weren't afraid? The second question helps us confront our fears. Can you imagine the courage required for Amos to go from here to here as a farmer and stand before the king's officials, have them with weapons strapped to their side, tell him to stand down and he tell the man, your wife and your kids and you, it's not going to be good. Courage. Where do you need to summer the courage to be who God created you to be? You may be in work totally unrelated to your purpose, as Amos was, but that does not exempt you from accepting your call and making your impact on a dying world. Point number 10, the intersection of Jesus' and culture, is that culture mandates we work for a living. Jesus directs us to extend his kingdom through purpose, and he will provide for our need. Jesus came to confront the mentality of his day. They were professionals. He took fishermen and tax gatherers and political zealots and seamstresses and the wealthy and the poor and women of ill repute and men who were merchants of religion. And he turned them into an army of purpose fanatics who were empowered by the Holy Spirit to change the world. They stopped what they were doing. They trusted God for their provision as Jesus had promised would be given and went out in response to Jesus' instructions. They told the world that they were not professionals, they were not for hire, they were called and equipped and they would not be denied. It cost each one of them something to do that, and ultimately it cost them their lives. Yet they serve God in their generation as he now calls you and I to do. The message of Amos is that you may be a clerk or a maintenance man or an administrative assistant to the world, but to God you are an instrument of his purpose, and the only one who can thwart that purpose is you when you shrink back in fear of the size of the task or the threat of economic uncertainty. What are we to do as we stand at this intersection with Jesus? We should do what Amos did and obey the Lord. And therefore, let the singers sing and the dancers dance. Let the builders build and the mercy givers distribute mercy. Let the lovers love on the unlovely, including those who abuse children and women. And the protectors of children erect a shield of loving protection. Let the writers write and the poets rhyme. The playwrights script and the techies create. Let the artists beautify and the designers take our breath away. Let the animators entertain us and the comics make us laugh. Let the givers give freely and the servants meet the needs of others. Let the preachers preach the word and the teachers expound it. Let the innovators discover the unknown and the organizers structure what the innovators have found. Let us do this without money or wealth being our primary concern. For we are a people not for hire just like The point to remember is you have something to do that only you can do. You have something to be that only you can be. Let's bow our heads. And if you're watching live stream, we encourage you, this is, don't be an observer. Enter into this moment. God has you there. He has us here. Let's do business with him. If you're here and this message has resonated with you and you burn with a passion to do what it is that God created you to do, but you've been thwarted, maybe finances have been your fear, just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Just keep your, raise your hand. Keep your hand raised. You won't impress me if you raise your hand. You won't impress me if you don't. Give you a few more seconds. Don't, don't be self conscious. But don't be a hired gun either. What are you all about? And if you know what you're about, are you doing it? If you're not, raise your hand. I want to pray from you. Father, a friend of mine wrote a song, God Will Make a Way Where There Seems to Be No Way. And I pray for each person here that that message will burn in their hearts. I pray, Lord, that they will maybe for the first time, accept the fact that this is who you created them to be. That they will be able to, for just right now, put everything aside, and as they raise their their hands, say, Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. If your hand is raised, just tell them, Yes, Lord. You don't have to know how it's all going to work out. I don't know how Amos got from Judah. to. I don't think he took an Uber. I I think he had to make his way. And God will help you make your way. So, Lord, be with each person whose hand is raised. Be with them, Lord, as they seek to be men and women of purpose, doing what it is you created them to do. In Jesus' name, amen.